podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. All righty, we are live. It's Sunday morning, Sydney time, 11 a.m. I've woken up wondering, did I dream all of the (laughs) shenanigans that went on overnight in the UAE? Australia absolutely hammered by England in the T20 World Cup. Now, just while everybody's joining the broadcast, how are you, Paul? Oh, you know, um, I was upbeat during the Aussie innings. I really was. I thought this is a tough pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Started with a comedy joke? No, no, I was. I I honestly thought this is a tough pitch and Australia's batted um, okay. And I didn't think I didn't think Australia was going to win, but I thought that they were going to make a real fight of it, and that it was going to be, um, you know, it could have been interesting. And I thought that I'd saved some text messages that you and Jaleesa had sent, and I wasn't going to put them to air without your permission, but I was going to ask for your permission and then sort of invite everyone to have a giggle at how pessimistic you were. I'm not going to do that now. <laughs> Usually, it's Jaleesa. Uh, sending, <laughs> releasing the DMs. Jaleesa, she's not here today, and she seemed pretty fired up about the result, pretty um, disconsolate. So I look forward to hearing her thoughts later in the week. Uh, so, yeah, just the way these broadcasts work is if you want to leave a comment, the best place is to go onto YouTube and watch there, and then you can leave questions and comments, and we'll get to them at the end of the show. Sorry, last broadcast, Paul and I forgot. Um, to get to the comments, but we will today. So any questions for us, put them in the comments. And as I've said, um, we're going to release this audio on our podcast feeds, but you know, the best way is subscribe to our YouTube channel. And then when we do a broadcast, you get a notification that it, we're going live and you can and watch them um, as they go to air. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, Paul, you know, I've been pretty down on this Australian T20 side and I tried to fake some optimism last time we spoke. But uh, this was every fear of mine coming to life. We panicked at the selection table before the game. We played so poorly on the field. We we looked like uh, we we the, the golfing class was ginormous. It, it was it was just a shocking performance. And uh, I think the, you know this sort of actually gives us a gauge of where our T twenty side is at. Well, I mean, it's hard to. I don't agree with you, but I can't – it's hard to muster the strength to disagree with you because, you know, at the moment, the facts are very much on your side. I think what it also shows is that England are magnificent and that maybe, as it transpires, they are the best in the world by some margin and that we are in the scrum, in the sort of – in the in the pack for second and third uh, best and, and as low down as sixth or seventh best. But um, I mean, I'm looking for positives – um, the England batting performance was one where they were able to take their maximum of let's just uh, back ourselves right to the limit because they they knew that if they 
if they lost three or four quick wickets, they could then consolidate and still win. And they just said, let us give uh, our net run rate and then an enormous boost. And in so doing, um, accidentally on purpose, give the Australian net run rate a colossal destruction. And that's my biggest sadness that last show, and we might have to destroy any evidence of last show, I, <laughs> I was jubilant about the fact that I said Australia could lose to England and the West Indies. And because we've already won and we'll probably beat Bangladesh, we'll still make the semifinals. So, Menas, you know, how do you feel about that? Um, now I've gone back to that same predictor. And Australia, even if we win both games, there's a chance that we won't qualify because we're going to be relying on um, our old friends, England, to beat South Africa. Now, if, if South Africa are kind of um, able to beat England... And, uh, <laughs> Maybe England should just forfeit the match to have a bit of a laugh at our expense. Because of the damage that's been done to our net run rate, then, you know, we could be in, in some in some significant trouble. So far from being able to say, oh, we could probably lose to West Indies and we'll still make it, we definitely must win our final two matches. If we do do that, I still think we will qualify. And so, um, you know, I may yet get to go back to those text messages and um, pump them out and uh, if we ultimately win the World Cup. But it's hard to look. It's hard to see, be so positive about it at this juncture. Yeah, it's, it's such a bad performance. And, and, like, you know, you sort of speak about what Australia could do from here. South Africa seemed to be actually improving as the tournament's going on. So I think they could be a real shake to to get that second spot. And then the West Indies, they're due a good performance. Worst thing is for me is that, uh, that the South Africa-Sri Lanka game, I – idly was cheering South Africa on because I'd had a tiny bet on South Africa. And I was like, uh, you know, joyously cheering them on as they just scraped home over the line. If I could have my time back, I wouldn't have cheered them on. That might have been enough to, to, to get them beaten. So, yeah, and you're right. The West Indies are starting to move into things. That they On this form, they could give us a thrashing as well. Yeah, so I, I think my prediction of Australia not making, making the semifinals is becoming more and more likely. Uh, let's go back to the beginning of the game last night. I thought Australia made a massive blunder leaving out um, – who did they leave out? Mitch, Mitch Marsh, Marsh. And, and bringing in Ashton Agar. So they shortened the batting. They, for some reason, added an extra bowler. I actually don't think there's much difference between Agar and Glenn Maxwell. I think they're, they're much of a muchness, but you lose a lot when you take out a batter. And it was, to me, what annoys me about that selection, Paul, is it just reeks of panic and uncertainty about the way we play T20 cricket. For our first two games, we go in with four specialist bowlers, three all-rounders, which gives us, you know, seven batters. So all of a sudden we come to the biggest game of the tournament so far and we change that for some reason. I mean, what is Langer thinking? What is Finch thinking? You know, in a game where we actually needed that extra batter, we didn't have it. I mean, we needed Wade at seven there with those early wickets. It would have given the top order way more confidence to at least try and get a competitive total. And for some reason they throw that all out the window, pick Agar who gets just, – he's just not – a strong performer and I just think it reeked of panic and what, what are we going to do the rest of the World Cup? Do they even know? Is it four bowlers? Is it five bowlers? Is it see how they feel on the day? I mean you should know this in a World Cup. I mean I, I, I sympathise with you Manners because you did miss the opportunity of seeing Mitch Marsh nick the first slip for off his second ball last night. <laughs> um, that is something that you have been robbed of. <laughs> you can watch through the highlights and see it many times in the past though. But I hear you. I, I Look I, it's 11 o'clock uh, I slept, I was so tired, I slept till almost just now. I haven't read everything. There was some speculation that Mitch Marsh's little injury 
was the reason that he didn't play. Have you read anything this morning to, to confirm that? That, that? that would be an explanation. I haven't read anything about that. and Because um, that's yeah, what Simon Dool the... was speculating. Fair enough. Well, um, uh, that wasn't the reason I was given, but well, you know, I haven't seen anywhere in the coverage. Yeah, um, it was just strange so, the way that um that uh they spoke about it at the toss, and that's what gave the Simon Dool the the feeling that maybe that his his injury was um a little bit worse than we'd been led to believe, and that he was being a bit coy with things. Now, um, as for the rest of the tournament, um, they've got to bring Swepson in, surely. Yeah, they, they should bring Swepson in. Or, 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 I mean, even last night, why not Inglis? Why not stick to the same structure and, and stick Inglis in as your seventh batter and you've still got Stoinis and Maxwell to bowl those four overs? Um, so a blunder. And you know, it was the worst possible start for Australia. You know, if you want to lose a T20 game, being basically four for 21 after 6.1 overs with Warner, Smith, Maxwell and Stoinis all in the sheds, uh, just the worst possible start to a game. Warner was out off um, the second ball of Chris Wokes' first over, um, just a nick to the keeper. A point was made on the coverage that Warner's footwork seemed uh, lacking in that shot. And, uh, you know, is Warner really out of – is really is Warner really back in form? Well, I think it was just – it wasn't lacking in the sense of – there was plenty of it. It was just lacking in quality. He was a bit hurt down a – a metre and a half down the pitch to Wokes. I, I think what it is is just that for, for those few overs, it was as though he was back in England in 2019. The wicket was doing plenty. He's not a good, not as good a player uh, under those circumstances. We were lucky to be four for 20. We'd had um, two umpires call LBWs that could have gone against us. We could have been six for 20. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, that one for Finch was clipping, uh, was sort of miss, clipping half of leg stump, given out. He's back in the sheds. So you get, you go, Warner nicks off. Then you get Smith, played uh, the worst shot to Chris Jordan. Oh, tried to pull on, a ball mate. from three feet outside off stump. And actually, I feel sorry for Smith because, you know, he's playing in a format of the game where, you know, it's not his specialty. He's been asked to play a role that's not his game. He actually, isn't he supposed to be the anchor that bats through the middle order, middle overs? So he comes in at three when we've lost an early wicket and tries to hit one over the top, which is not his game. You know, that was tailor-made for Mitch Marsh to come out and try and pulverise the first ball. So, you know, it's a terribly bad performance by Smith. And I don't know if you noticed, but Shane Warne fired up on Twitter. Me and Warney are on an island on this one. He <laughs> laid into Smith saying he shouldn't be in the T20 side. And, yeah, I feel sorry for Smith. He's being put in an unfamiliar role in, in, a, in a format that he's not suited to. Oh, stop. Cut it out. He's he played one bad shot on a pitch where at that time lots of stuff was happening. I, I guarantee you, Mitch Marsh would have failed if he'd gone out there as well. Yeah, sure, it didn't look great, but that's what happens sometimes. And as for Warney, um, as with an, uh, about four point four billion people around the world, I haven't seen what he said because he's blocked me years ago for reasons that I don't know. Um, so Warney, if you're watching, you know, unblock me, mate. Please unblock Paul. Then Glenn <laughs> Maxwell out for a duck to uh, that was a bad shot of. You, you go Maxwell's? Yeah, my, my two favourite players are Smith and Maxwell. I'll defend Smith's shot. Maxwell's shot was a poor shot. He should have realised that right there and then, Wokes was bowling uh, almost unplayably, and he needed to chew up a few balls. He, often he needs to just take up 10 or 15 balls, and then he's amazing. That was the to, – to play that wafty kind of drive at a, a ball, that was on the cards. Like, 
I think it was the ball before they scampered for two when they might have only got one. And normally I'd be cheering that on. I was like, oh, I wish they hadn't got two. I don't want Maxwell on strike this over to Wokes because he's going to try to be playing too expansively. He needs to be humble. It'll be it'll get easier. Play that shot and then squander a review on a plum LBW. That was really disappointing. Yeah, it was a poor shot playing across the line. Marcus Stoinis out LBW to Adil Rashid, not picking the wrong one and hit plum in front of the stumps. Pretty easy decision there. And and that's, again, sorry to jump in, but that's, no, that is the one, the big fear I had through the whole tournament that I said, you must admit, I've got everything wrong. But the one thing I've got right in my predictions is when Marcus Stoinis comes in and the spinners are on and we're struggling, you can expect him to get out quite quickly in a crucial game. Yeah, and I think you can put a few other Australian batters in that camp where they seem to be exposed when they come up against a really classy spinner in form. So that left Australia four for 21 after 6.1 overs. So, you know, that's about mm, 2 a.m. Sydney time. So at this point, I'm like staring blankly into my cup of tea, sort of (laughs) questioning, you know, life itself and and what I'm going to say about this game. And then... Matthew Wade and Finchie put on 30 kind of minor recovery. When you sort of look at the context, it wasn't too bad. And then there was a little flurry at the end from Ashton Agar, Pat Cummins and Mitch Stark. Agar hit two sixes, Cummins hit two sixes, Mitch Stark hit one six to get us up to 125. I mean, up until that point, I think we'd only hit like three boundaries in the innings till about the 15th over. I mean, it was the most diabolical performance. It was like we'd taken, um, you know, pop guns to a gunfight and and we were completely outmatched and very disappointing. And then, you know, sort of Finch, what did you think of Finch's innings? Well, I, I must admit at the innings break, I thought he'd played pretty well. And I, I thought the fact that, He'd been looking to score the whole time and had barely been able to get to a runner ball the entire innings was indicative of, of how difficult the wicket was. And I remember, um, I can't remember which commentator sort of said, as Australia hit a six towards the end, you know, that's a nice little finish, but this has been all England. And I was thinking, oh, you just wait, you know, um, this could be quite a competitive total. And in fact, I would actually like to move into an alternative reality. Can we just do this as though she uh, won? Yeah, Australia, England got bowled out off the last ball, needing two to win. Um, Mitchell Stark took four. Josh Hazelwood, six for 15. Can you believe it? Um, Right up top. (laughs) Amazing. I mean, Finch's captaincy was superb. The way we fought back into the game, I now think we can win the World Cup. You know, this is like the Australian team of the golden generation. We can win from anywhere. It's like the Windies from the 80s, you know. We can bowl out a team for anything. We, we believe in ourselves. Um, you know, it's like yeah, Bradman's I mean, England, batting at three. England's, yeah, they, you know, they, they, they pumped the easy opposition early on, but now it's just looking... Exposed. Yeah, the, the, yeah the, the England have been exposed for flat-track bullies, and it, also they've got no chance whatsoever winning the Ashes. They've been called off. It's already 5-0. All right, so, let's go back um, to reality. Yeah, go back to reality, unfortunately. So Australia muster 125, bowled out off the last ball of the innings. I guess the the sort of disappointment with Finch is when we kind of needed him to blast the quick 30 off 10 balls at the end, he got out. That was the sort of frustration. But he tried. I think he lofted one down the ground and got caught attempting to clear the boundary. So it's one of those things. Actually, um, you know, Agar, Cummins and Stark did pretty well. Cummins hit his first two balls for sixes and you're like, wow. Um, which which follows on from actually some very good IPL form. It does, yes. Earlier this year. And it's heartening because I mean, trying to take um, 
whatever positives we can. But he has been a little bit too defence-minded over recent years, especially in Test cricket where, um, you know, he's been trying to bat like a batter and he's a very handy lower-order batter, but he's not good enough to be a batter. So he should bat like Stark. And last night he did. And, yeah, 12 off two was a, was a good start. Yeah, and thank goodness England picked time or Mills. Four overs, two for 45. He went at 11.25 and over. The other four bowlers, Adil Rashid, 4.75 economy rate. Chris Wokes, 5.75. Chris Jordan, 4.25. Liam Livingston, 3.75. So then, okay, I'm with you. It's the halfway break. We've we've sort of mustered, you know, it actually didn't look like we were going to get 100. So we get to 125. And I wasn't confident. I had no feeling that Australia was ever going to win the game. But I did think, you know, we were a chance with Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins. If they get the new ball moving around and they hit their spots, maybe they get a a couple of early wickets and they give us a sniff. I actually thought we'd never actually be able to finish them off. But I did envisage, look, Australia, they could sneak a few early wickets and make this a bit uncomfortable for England. Well, Certainly wasn't uncomfortable. England, two for 126 after 11.4 overs. Sorry for those of you getting up on a Sunday morning and hearing these figures. It's um, <laughs> horrific stuff. It's, you know, losing Bert Newton and Alan Davidson and Ashley Mallett in 24 hours wasn't bad enough. This has certainly added to it. Um, so Jason Roy, 22 off 20. Joss Butler, 71 not out of 30 two deliveries he, he was playing in a different universe not a different pitch you know if you're watching marvel movies he's in some quantum reality joss butler playing on an absolute road he hit five sixes uh besto came in and iced it um 16 off 11 zampa and agar got a wicked each roy um to zampa lbw and milan caught behind off agar <clears throat> i must admit i sort of went to bed with about 10 overs uh, 10 runs to spare and listened to the finish in 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 bed, um, astonishing performance by Butler. Yeah. I mean, now that I'm thinking back on it, I realise as well, I said that at the innings break, I gave us a chance. I have this distinct memory of um, when the uh, players came back out, I thought there was another two or three minutes before they were due out. And I suddenly saw they're coming back out and my thoughts was, oh, no. And I think it was my brain knowing that the, sa- the innings break was my safe space, that, we still had a chance then, and reality was coming <laughs> at me like a like a freight train. I was like, "Oh, I thought I had three more minutes of um, relative happiness." And gosh, it was—I don't know—you were hoping like for the first couple of balls to really scythe around and for for it to look like there's something really going to happen here. And it, uh, my hopes dissipated very, very quickly. Like they did, Australia didn't bowl absolutely terribly those first couple of overs, but there was nothing in the wicket for for them like the English were getting out of it. So. And towards the end, um, it was, reminded me of state of origin game in, the, in years gone by when Queensland would be thrashing New South Wales with Wally Lewis. So I was starting to almost cheer on England because I just wanted it to be over. Like every time Butler hit a six, my, I was just getting more and more gobsmacked. And it, it, the, the end was the, one of the quickest endings to a game of cricket I've ever seen. It went from they needed 50 till they, till they won in about three minutes. It was just, um, it was comical by the end. Yeah, you know, look at Australia's bowling figures. Mitch Stark, three overs, none for 37. They really took him on. Pat Cummins, one over, none for 14. Ashton Agar, 2.4 overs, one for 15. Ironically, he was probably our best bowler, despite the fact that I think he shouldn't be selected. Adam Zampa, three overs, one for 37. It was just uh, there was nothing positive to say about our fielding performance. We were... 
uh, outmatched. Butler was so good to watch. I mean, that was Butler at his best. You know, we haven't, you know, English fans would say, you haven't, we haven't seen the best of him in the last 12 months. Well, that was Butler at his best. And, uh, yeah, just just the worst possible performance from Australia, getting beaten and getting hammered. Uh, it's It's diabolical. Yeah, there's not much more to say. I mean, I want to defend Agar. I mean, you, you've made the point he was our best bowler. He was our second top scorer. I feel bad to, you know, for us to blast the bloke. <laughs> Normally, if, if that's the game, you know, uh, the bloke is the best bowler and the second top scorer, you'd say he had a good game. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. not blasting him. I'm no, blasting no, 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 this, no, no, no. I'm just saying. Uh, this yeah. uncertainty around our T20 side that it's the bloody World Cup and we don't know what structure our team should have. I mean, that seems to me farcical that you can be the biggest tournament of this format and still not sure how you're going to structure your team. And you're now three games in. And, you know, Justin Langer, um, and I mean, he'll need those inspirational quotes that he's been pumping out after last night's performance because he will be at a low ebb right now and the whole team will be because, you know, if they come up against in, uh, a good side in the semifinals, you know, they'll be they'll fancy their chances. Mate, the, I know exactly what they'll say. It's, 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 it's textbook easy to say. They're just going to say, we're going to put this game out of our minds. We got oh, yeah. thrashed by a, a, a top quality side. But the beauty of this tournament is that we're still alive. We've, we've had two good wins. That game, we can't do anything about it now. It's very disappointing. Uh, we've got to look ahead to the Bangladesh game, and we're still very much in this tournament. And it's true, though. I mean, it's it's, it's true. not, though. It's worse, though, because now we're coming up against two sides that have recent good form against us. Our nemesis, Bangladesh, who towed us up 4-1 in a T20 series. And then the same, the Windies beat us, what, 4-1? Or, was it 4-1 or 5-0? Yeah. It was, it was I think it was something... 4-1. I think so. You know, we've got coming up against two teams now that will be thinking, oh, we, we, you know, we fancy our chances against this average Australian outfit. And yeah. now Martin Lawrence has put a question in um, uh, on Channel Seven Sunrise this morning. I heard there was a question: Will this result have an impact on team confidence for the Ashes? And I'll give you my opinion, Martin, and we'll see what Paul's got to say. But I actually think it does. I think, ironically, that was so bad that it actually does give England a boost. And it it does, I think, add, in, add to England's confidence. They will be thinking now, this Australian team is vulnerable. They are not the team they were even a few years ago. They're, they're out of form. Some of their bowlers aren't the same. I think the Asher squad will think now, we can go to Australia and win. They're very different formats, and this bears no resemblance on this. Be, this 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 has no bearing on what is going to happen uh, come the first Test match at the Gabba. Our boys, sorry, I was, I was suddenly pretending to be Tim Payne. Um, no, um, <laughs> that's that's what they will say, um, and I I don't think it actually makes a whole lot of a difference either because it's just it's a one-off thing. They thrashed us. They're better than us at T20 cricket. You know, Hazelwood and um, Co can always go the journey in a T20 game. Uh, half of the players won't be involved. So, no, nah, I don't think it makes much of a difference. Yeah, no, I, I disagree. I, I think England, England, English cricket will be looking at Australian cricket now and thinking they're vulnerable, even though they're different formats, even though there's different players. The bowling attack will be virtually the same. You add in a line for Zampa. Uh, there'll be a few changes in personnel, but still, you know, They'll feel that Warner's still vulnerable outside off stump. Uh, but, yeah, they are different formats, but I think it, it will 
really give them a boost. And it sounds like um, Tim Payne's in the firing line after his comments during the week or last week about the POM. So, yeah, um, just shattering. Any other sort of news that jump out at you that you want to touch on before we um, end this broadcast, Paul? We'll go through the questions in a sec. Uh, just um, to mention the death of Alan Davidson, that um, uh, for those of you who don't know of him or have only heard of him as a name, um, he died aged 92. And the reason I'm just making the point is uh, he may well be, he's in the conversation as the second best cricketer that Australia has ever produced. And he is re he's regarded as a wonderful cricketer, but I don't think he's quite got the reputation that he should have. He has, in test cricket, he had a batting average of 24 and a half. In first class cricket, his batting average was 33, which often is more relevant back in those days because they played such a high percentage of um, shield games relative to, to test games. So his test batting figures aren't much worse than Moen Ali with the bat. And with the ball, basically he has the best bowling average ever. If you put two caveats, one, we're ignoring pre-World War One, where the pitches were very, very different. And two, if you only had a you know, career of 80 or 90 or 100 wickets, then there's a couple that are better. But he took 186 wickets at an average of 20.5 with a batting average of 24.5. He uh, was known for his extraordinarily good fielding. Gary Sobers, who many regard as the greatest all-rounder of all time, always said, and, and Sobers himself averaged 57, always said, the bowler that he found most difficult to face was Alan Davidson. Uh, and his average in India with the ball, I haven't got it off the top of my, I haven't got it in front of me, but I think off the top of my head, having seen it the other night on Twitter, was 15 in test cricket in India. He was the complete player. Um, as Bill Laurie said last night, if he was around today, you couldn't pay him enough in the, um, in the IPL. He would just be absolute box office. So for him to die at 92, uh, it's very sad. He had a wonderful innings, um, was still very active, to late in life, still opened the bowling in a charity game just a couple of years ago. Uh, and so, um, as I said, if I was going to pick my best Australian side ever, there are only a few certainties. He is one of them. He's he's um, underrated by the, the general public, and that's a great pity, but wonderful life um, and very sad to, see, to hear of his death. Yeah, absolutely. Very um, nice words there, Paul. I um, used to cricket coach with a, a few of Alan Davidson's teammates and the reverence that they used to hold Davo in was very clear. They used to talk about him a lot in the, in the lunch breaks and the sheds, just about, I think, you know, his, his legacy goes beyond his playing career as well. He, he made a huge contribution post uh, playing days and just a, a phenomenal player, administrator, coach, and he'll be sorely missed. Uh, he, um, yeah, he, um, I picked my all-time Australian side in 2019 and I, I tweeted it out and I was glad someone found that tweet and Davidson was in there. Just oh, well to give done. you an, Yeah. Um, I didn't think you had that in you. That's really impressive. Thank you. You know, <laughs> I know my history. Uh, just to give you an idea of the sort of impact he could have in a game, let's look at the first test, um, the tied test against the West Indies, the first ever tied test of 1960. In the West Indies' first innings, Alan Davidson took five for 135 in the West Indies' total of 453. Then Australia replied with 505. Alan Davidson, 44. So he's already had a great match. But then in the West Indies' second innings, where they were bowled out for 284, which gave Australia a shot at winning the game, Davidson took six for 87. So he's taken 11 wickets and scored 44. Not a bad match. Then set 233 to win. Davo comes in he comes in with the score 
six for 92, smashes a whirlwind 80 before being run out. And we know what happened. Um, it was a tired result, but that just gives you a measure of his brilliance. Uh, and actually, there is a lot of footage of the tired test available. There's DVDs and stuff, and the, you can watch Dave O'Bat. He was a, a swashbuckling um, batter. And, yeah, go and find it. I used to have that video growing up of the tired test. So I saw a lot of Dave O's innings. And the remarkable thing is that despite that bowling effort of 11 wickets in the match, his career, his average in the tired test is almost identical to his career average. So that was basically his standard with the ball, um, which is just uh, mind-blowing. And I'll conclude with this. Anyone here from England watching, <laughs> this is not a bitter Australian. This is just a thought that has occurred to me. I promise you it's not a bitter Australian. In all honesty, Alan Davidson was a better cricketer than anyone England has ever produced, ever. Yes, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got one in there. So tonight in the T20 World Cup, mm. Afghanistan take on Namibia in the first game of the evening. Can't wait for that. I think Afghanistan should um, hammer Namibia. And then India take on New Zealand at 1am. Vital game for both teams, um, especially India after that loss to Pakistan. Let's go through the comments now, Paul, before we leave. Connie yep. Rice, clearly a palm hammering. Thank you. Upbeat, no, not upbeat. <laughs> Martin, I'm expecting a couple of upset hosts. I'm upset, but also I feel slightly vindicated because on Cricket Unfiltered, I've been saying how bad Australia is at T20 cricket and this World Cup wasn't turning out that way, but it's uh, finally come true. Peter Dutton, if you're watching, could you please cancel Menace's passport? Thank you. <laughs> Jose, Australia's net run rate has taken a beating. Uh, yes. Dutton's probably li listening to this. We'll all be on the surveillance. Uh, ASIO have got a feed of this. Um, we've yet yeah, to so Jose, you're right. Um, no guarantee that they will win both. I agree. I, I would be surprised if Australia wins another game in this World Cup. Oh, and we'll lose the Ashes 7-0 as well, won't we, Menace? Yep. Exactly. Condi Rice uh, should should try. Absolutely. Again, Australia just have to be fearless. We've kept our um, armory in the that. kit bag. Go to church. Go to church, man, and pray. Well, you're right. I mean, there's no hope for this team. I don't even think prayer would do anything. Um, yep. This was a – yeah, Jose, it was a meek, meek surrender. Um as Australia has developed a soft centre that hasn't existed since the early 80s. Interesting because, you know, one of Justin Langer's sort of mandates when he came in was that he wanted to get rid of this soft centre, that there were too many collapses. And, in fact, there's a famous net session where because he was sick of the batters collapsing all the time, he said, all right, what we're going to do is you're all going to bat and if you get out in the nets, you're all going to have to swap nets and rotate um, you know, so to sort of simulate getting out in a in a real game, and uh, yes. did you, did you have to very annoyed at that. One <laughs> of the stupidest coaching techniques. Well, when I coach sprinters, every time they don't run under ten flat, I uh, make them do another lap until eventually they start running the hundred under, under ten flat. Because it's all just <laughs> mental. It's just all desire. That's you know, you know fine. So, do, do you think Australia has a soft centre though? Ah, <laughs> oh, no, I just think that they're not as good at T Twenty cricket as England, um, and. I, I I get Condi's point. I suppose it's that we've had since the that, that mid '80s period where Australia was they had a soft centre and a soft edge and a soft other edge and everything was soft except for Alan Border. Since then, the, the the rise and rise of the team has been so strong and got to the point where for so many years it dominated that 
anything compared to that looks soft. I think this is just we've no longer got a great cricket side. We haven't got a bad one. It's just a normal side, and, and sometimes these things happen. Yeah, I, I think the test side is toughening up. I think you're right. It's more about skill than a soft center. But I actually think in the T20 format, we do have a soft center. And, it, and it's not um, – it, it's a confidence thing. I just don't think there's that inner belief when we get in tight situations in T20 cricket that we're going to win. And, you know, we fell over the line in the first game, Stephen Bradbury style. Second game was more convincing. But we've reverted back to the norm for this game. All righty. Well, Paul, look, that's it. We've gone for over 30 minutes. so. Thanks for everybody that's watched or listened. Uh, we're going to release the audio on a couple of podcast feeds, but you can watch these broadcasts on Twitter and YouTube. Go and subscribe to our Twitter page, uh, our YouTube page, so you can be notified of these live broadcasts. And, you know, we're going to make an effort to do one of these after every Australian game of the World Cup. There's only, thank goodness, there's only two more to go um, after that. Do you, guys, do you agree that with Watson that Australia's best T20 players don't play enough matches together. Well, last question from Jose. He's what a spot on there. The part of the problem is Australia's never got our full side on the, on the park, and it's it's definitely the third most important format in terms of the way the teams are selected. And, yeah, I, I think it's a certain certainly um, a weakness. Yeah, it is, and we've, pri- we've deprioritised the format for years, but... I can't I can't criticize them for having done that over the years because we all go on about the primacy of test cricket. Um, the times that they've deprioritized that have tended to be uh, to uh, for the betterment of test cricket. So with the, the way the schedule is, it, it is hard to have it all. And to be honest, I think the way England played last night, um, no matter what Australia had done over the years, they were just un- unbeatable. I mean, congrats. Anyone who's stayed up in England, if you have watched this and it's now... Um, uh, 25 to 2. Don't forget the clocks go back at 2 o'clock. Uh, you've got an extra hour tonight. Congratulations. Uh, it was a, a, f- a phenomenal performance. I think it would have been beaten pretty much anyone last night. All righty. I agree. Um, well, look, let's end this. Um, Condi Rice, where's Jaleesa? Hopefully asleep, getting some well-earned rest after a big <laughs> week for her on Channel 10. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Paul, have a great day. Go and forget about the cricket. Get some fresh air. I'm going to turn on the WBBL. Uh, there's a match happening. At the, there's actually three games on today, so and nothing like just getting back on the horse. When you've, you've yeah. had a rough night, um, just get back on the horse and hopefully the, the Thunder lose. Um, <laughs> all righty, everybody. Thanks for watching and listening. Bye. Arrivederci. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving at your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.